اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم الهمنا مراشد امورنا واعذنا من شرور انفسنا اللهم الهمنا مراشد امورنا واعذنا من شرور انفسنا اللهم الهمنا مراشد امورنا واعذنا من شرور انفسنا امين رب العالمين respected elders and brothers and mothers and sisters dear listeners students assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh we all pray to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he accept our coming here together tonight and our performing of salatul maghrib with jamaah our sitting here uh, for our weekly gathering of tafsir, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He allows the love of the Quran to penetrate into the deepest parts of our hearts, and may He allow you and I to become uh, lovers of the Quran and those who understand the meaning of the Quran and those who are blessed with the ability to practice and what we hear and to be able to propagate it as well. Amin. Alhamdulillah. One thing I wanted to mention is uh, uh, last week's. You know, for those of you who missed uh, the uh, tafsir last week, or those who even attended. Alhamdulillah, we once again uh, restarted the work of putting the uh, uh, timestamps. So it's it's a very meticulous, time-consuming work that that takes hours to do. I request everyone, inshallah, to benefit from that. So that that's just something, inshallah, you can um, use to reflect or re-listen or review or share any specific portion of it because uh, it's uh, uh, the entire. One and a half, one hour or so is you know divided up based on every story that was shared, every topic that was covered, and it's it's very easy for us to kind of go back and reflect or or share or um, you know re-listen, etc. Inshallah. So I wanted the brothers here and the sisters who are listening to uh, kind of take benefit from that effort that's being done by one of our students. May Allah subhanahu wa taala increase him in his barakah in the time and effort that he's putting into that. I mean. Okay, so Allah Azza wa Jal tells Musa alayhi salam, let's get right in, when he's on his way to, uh, uh, to Mount Tur to receive the, the, the Torah, Allah says, وَمَا أَعْجَلَكَ عَنْ قَوْمِكَ يَا مُوسَى right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks Musa alayhi salam, uh, why have you made, wha, what has made you hasten from your people, O Moses? Meaning, Musa alayhi salam was traveling with a group of people towards, uh, some of them were with him, some of them uh, were behind, left behind, but nonetheless, he... he uh, move forward and he decided to go a little bit closer and quicker than the rest to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to receive he didn't know you know this is amazing Allah is calling him and he's going to give him the book he's going to give him the Torah the, the, the blessed book is going to be given to him at this, at this time and so he took 70 people with him to follow him and when he got closer uh, to Mount Tur he sped up and he went to the right side of the mountain to be blessed with having a communication with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah azza wa jal then slightly uh, reprimanded him in a nice manner and said, yes, This is, if you just look for a moment at the uh, uh, screen here, you can see these are the timestamps. Look at how much effort this went, went into this, creating like 20, 25 timestamps. So you press any of them and it will take you right back to uh, wherever that topic was covered. So Alhamdulillah, the previous uh, surahs also were done like this. And now we're catching up on Surah Taha. 
So I just wanted to share that so people can uh, benefit from that, inshallah. All right, we can go back. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He asked him, uh, why did you leave your nation, right? Why did you leave your nation back? And uh, why did you speed up in front of the 70 or so that had come with you? Okay, so now the, obviously the answer is, what is the answer? Why did he speed up? He wants, he's excited to speak. What happens when you, when you, when you, when your group arrives in Umrah for Hajj, right? Everyone's packing up and putting this up. Brother, let's get, take a quick shower. Some people's like, listen, forget the keys to the room, forget the shower, forget, I'm going, man. I've been waiting for this moment for 20 years. I don't have time to sit there and get my room keys. I'm not saying that that's the way we're supposed to do things, but there's, sometimes you're overwhelmed with shok. Why I'm saying not overdo things? Because you don't want to put your group or your family members into haraj into difficulty you ran away with the with the id and you're in the haram while everyone's waiting for you, you say that's not right that's why we should settle things before you go inside the haram but sometimes there's shok overtakes you you have no control when you see the minarets of Madinah al-munawwara and you're getting off the bus you like forget your hotel right you say i want to run towards the masjid al nabawi alayhi salatu so uh that's the answer why did you leave your nation and hurriedly hasten towards me oh musa the answer is ya allah i was you know, madly in love to meet you. As Allah says in the Quran regarding believers, not prophets, regarding believers. Those who have faith in Allah, those who are true believers, they are madly in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ishq of Allah, shadeed hub of Allah, that's part of the attributes of a true believer. A true believer truly loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? This is the very important point we want to reflect that unfortunately we don't speak too much about the love of Allah. The lo- how much Allah loves us and number two how as, uh, as, as our relationship with Allah it's supposed to be characterized by love unfortunately that's like you know I've, I say this before we've done a horrible marketing job PR we've done a very bad PR marketing of Allah Azza wa Jal and you know just to give an example a'la, to Allah belongs the most loftiest example is nothing in the world compares with him I said if I could give an example of a business card Right? You are a father, you are a husband, you're an engineer, you are a, a volunteer in the masjid, you are a musalli, you have uh, interest in hobbies and XYZ. There's so many things you have. But your business card will highlight the one thing you want people to know you about, that you are, say you are a civil engineer. That's what is going to be on the card. So what is the business card of Allah? The business card of Allah is Bismillahir Rahman Ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Meaning, Surah Al-Fatiha. And the beginning of the surah of the Quran, how does Allah introduce Himself? When you, when you meet someone, the first thing people do in business meetings is they give the card, and then after that we open up, and then we'll have some drinks, and we'll have, eat some food, and then we get to know each other after some time. But usually, the first introduction is, Fulan is an engineer, Fulan is a journalist, Fulan is a physician, Fulan is this, that. That's the basic quick thing. One word, how you want that person to be introduced. How does Allah introduce Himself in the Quran? Bismillah in the name of Allah. The one who gives you death, the one who destroys you, the one who punishes you if you disobey him, that's not how it's been introduced. In the name of Allah, the most gracious and the most merciful. And then Alhamdulillah, all praise belongs to Allah. Okay, who is Allah? Rabb, he's a caretaker, he's a nourisher, he's a provider, he's the one who's with you at every stage. Rabb, okay, is he of you? No, Al-Alameen, all the worlds and every single person and every single being and all the dimensions. He is the caretaker of all of them, subhanAllah. Okay, then what else? Let's go back to the same thing. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Most gracious, most merciful. That's the, what I call the business card aspect of it. The, before we get into the other details of the Qur'an, 
the most important thing Allah wants you and I to know about Him is He's most loving, He's most gracious, He's most merciful. So have we done a good job in, in presenting this true image of Allah to the ummah, to the people? Not only to the non-Muslims, I think we've done a horrible job to the Muslim ummah, to our own youth, to our own young adults who do not understand that Allah Azza wa Jal is their most loving, most caring being that they can be connected with. Ni'm al-Mawla wa ni'm al-Nasir the best of caretakers, the best of helpers. And so people are, uh, associate Allah with the punisher, with the one who is after you. Things of that sort. When that's not what it is. Allah Azza wa Jalla in so many places in the Quran, so many places, right? Wherever, you might have noticed, we just talked about this, I think it was the last week. After Allah Azza wa Jalla says, right here, whomever my wrath befalls, he is truly fallen from my grace. Right after that, ghaffar. I am indeed the most forgiving. Right, so wherever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tends to you know, get a little, show His little anger, immediately He follows it up with forgiveness. So just so you don't get too intimidated, you don't get too scared. Some of the students were asking, you know, when we, we covered the talks of Jahannam, you know, we're not, not talks, the hadith of Jahannam in Tirmidhi, they said, you know, these hadith are very intense, very intense. You know, sometimes we cover for one whole week all the hadith of Jahannam. And obviously these are hadith are very, very descriptive, very intense. So the question is, should we give a talk on this? And I'm like, look at, the, how does the Qur'an do? There's no place in the Qur'an where Allah exclusively just speaks about Jahannam. Right? Because it doesn't work. It will backfire. Right? It's not beneficial for the human psyche to just hear about hell. You, ha- you say a little bit of that, and then immediately you, you, know, you sugarcoat the medicine. Right? You have to bring with it uh, glad tidings. Bashiran wa nadira. Giver of glad tidings, and then warner as well. Cannot always be warning people. It doesn't work like that. So if you were to give a whole talk on Jahannam, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. People will not be able to handle it. Whenever you speak about hellfire, to one, two hadith, or, or even four, five hadith, you must always follow up with them. End the talk on mercy. End the talk on the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the human being. So that a person understands the full scope. Just like we say, does your father get upset at you? Does your mother get upset? Yes, every, all here, youth, all children will say, definitely there are moments when my father and mother get upset. But if you just focus on that part, what happens? Which child will love his parents? No one will. If you just keep on highlighting that aspect. But instead, you think about, look at, as uh, some, I, I, read a, I read a statement, I forgot how it goes exactly, but it says, the, the gist of it was, you'll have to go into your parents' room and search and search one day where they hide all of their worries about you. Right? Because they, they don't show it But parents are the ones who care about their children the most And they're worried about their children the most And they don't express it, they don't expose it They hold their stress because why? They don't want you to notice the fact that they're stressed out right? SubhanAllah, that's the care that parents show to their children Which is unparalleled But now, they're gonna be strict They say, why are you not tying your shoelaces? Or why are you not doing this? They'll get upset and angry But understand that in the context Understand that that your father or mother who gets upset at you for not wearing uh, proper clothing, or who is not, not eating healthy food, or uh, you know doing something that is uh, not the best in your in your interest, although they're harsh at that moment, you cannot compare them with a nice gangster who's offering you hundred dollars to get into the car. Uh, he's like, oh look, he gives me hundred dollars. I would be left Put everything into perspective. This harshness of your parent in reality is only khair, is only goodness for you. So if that is the condition of the parent, imagine our Allah, the creator of the parents, the creator of love in their hearts, that He has harshness or He has jahannam there simply to wake you up, startle you up, so that you don't make foolish mistakes. You know the, the capital punishment, kitab hudud in Islam. This is a big discussion. 
Islamophobes, people want to attack Islam, ex-Muslims, etc. They talk about all of these things. Oh, that if someone commits zina, someone fornicates, this is the punishment for that. Someone leaves Islam, they okay, you know, etc. Or someone drinks liquor, and this is the punishment for that. So when you talk about the punishment for committing zina of 80 lashes, or for someone who's married, then stoning them to that. Of course, that's in a proper Islamic khilafah and things of that sort. So that's not applicable now. But let's just take that scenario. Our Ustad Mawlana Alauddin, Rahimahumullah, Rahmatun Wasiya, our Ustad Tirmidhi, one of our only teachers actually, and first one to pass away from our, my, my teachers last year. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill his grave with nur. He would tell us, he would say, I challenge you to bring me from the annals of Islamic history one incident in which the had of zina or the capital punishment against an uh, 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 adulterer, an adulteress, took place in a court of law, not by admission, but by the burden of proof. Every incident from the time of Sahaba, one incident that has happened, to onwards, when this capital punishment was meted out to adulterer or adulteress, it happened through their own admission. They came and wanted to purify themselves. And we don't have time to get in that beautiful story, but that's there. That subhanAllah, the Sahaba, that one incident that happened in which uh, this mistake was made, that Sahabi and the Sahaba, the Sahabi, the mother herself came, said, Tahirni, right? Purify me, please purify me from the sin I ended up doing. And it was only, and, and the companion who did that as well came, said, please, please purify me. You cannot find four witnesses. The 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 the, the, the um, rules that are in place to prove this type of sin has happened are so impossible to take to to actually to actualize that is pretty much never going to happen that's why he would our ustad would say bring me one incident in the history of islam that four witnesses witness with their own eyes you know this type of act happening it's not some people in the room no it doesn't work like that you know that's another discussion for fiqh of what is required you can read about that or ask afterwards but it's absolutely you could say Every, without, without, a cert, without a single uh, shadow of doubt without a, without a single iota of doubt A person needs to say 100% I witness with my bare eyes That zina was taking place Not through they were in the same place In the same vicinity did it, None of that stuff Four people have to say that That's not going to happen Right? That's not going to happen So then what's the point of it? The whole point of this capital punishment The whole uh, tens and tens of pages on this t- That are taught in books of fiqh and hadith All about this Is simply to serve as a deterrent That's what it is It's just, just kind of the, the, the law This heavy handedness of the law Should inspire fear within the people That what if Just what if someone comes here Billah, Let me not commit this sin and interestingly, as some of the ulama have, have, have said, you know, the, if you look at the, 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 the wide range of problems that we're facing in, this, in the community, in the world today, it all stems, you could say, from this one sin. That when the doors of zina open up, then there's no closing. After that, subhanAllah, you open up the doors to, to one, to one uh, enemy, the whole army of the enemy will come in. So the whole LGBTQ movement, and the fact, the prevalence of that now within the Muslim community, every week is worse than the previous week, the things that I'm coming across. It started off with this. If we, if we, were, if we, were, to not, if we were to have the doors closed on zina, then this stuff wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have even gotten there. But because it's become such a norm now in college student, Muslim college student life, unfortunately, it is, it's, it's not something that's even frowned upon within the college student community. Um, uh, so that obviously then well, well guess what If that's happening Then the next thing will happen And the next thing will happen Next thing will happen So when you have this fear That what if 
I'm caught. Although no one's been caught. And everyone who had to, who had to meet this, who, who faced this punishment was through their own admission. Then what will happen? This, the door will close. Similarly for murder, if the qisas uh, were to be happening, uh, then you see your crime rate in Chicago would be a, probably a, you know, a tenth of what it is today. Imagine every single, every single week on Navy Pier, uh, all the murderers of the past weekend were executed. Live television. Just give me an example. You think there would be any more of that stuff? You, 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 it would end. You wouldn't have to spend millions in jails and prisons and the whole uh, prison culture that's there and the whole uh, rather prison economics that's running, fueling all of this. Subhanallah. That's why the Quran says, "Walakum fil qisasi hayatun albab." Oh, intelligent people, there is life for you in qisas. Qisas means you're killing someone because he killed someone. Uh, life for a life, a nafs bin nafs. But the Quran says, when you take someone's life because he's taking someone else's life. Hayat, there's actually life for you in there. But not all of you can understand that. Ya ulil albab, oh intelligent people. If you have intelligence, think what the Quran is saying. What? So that you may succeed. Alright? So the idea is the every command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is meant for our improvement and our betterment. Let's get that out of the way. And, 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 and we need to repeat this repeatedly again and again. That every command of Allah in the Quran and in the, the prophetic commands is not to make your life miserable, not to make your life difficult, not to make your life challenging. Allah doesn't enjoy putting you through haraj, through difficulty. Right? Allah wants you to have a happy, nice life. But he, that's why he says, Istajibu lillahi wa idha da'akum lima Accept and say labayk and, and, and reply and respond to the call of Allah and His Rasul when they invite you to that which will give you life. Lima yuhyikum, which will give you life. So every command of Allah in the Quran, every command of Rasulullah in hadith is out there to make your life more enjoyable and pleasant. Not to make your life miserable. And so, my beloved friends, you know, it's very, it's very, very disheartening for the ummah and very disrespectful to Allah to say the least, where a person thinks bad about Allah. Imagine you go tell your parents, or someone says to their parents, you know, mom, I know you hate me. I, my father, I know you're after me. You just want to destroy my life. And unfortunately, unfortunately, these type of statements kids do say to their parents. But to that father and mother who's worked three jobs for the past 30 years to take care of you, to make you sit where you're sitting here today and make me sit where I'm sitting here today. It's the most hurtful thing to hear. That what? You hate me. You've, you're out there to destroy my life. All you want to do is you want to see me in misery. Because the father and mother think, well, I just wish I never even spent a cent on you in my life. I could have, at least I'd be happier 30 years later than having to do all of this and to hear this type of nonsense. So what will say? That why are you misunderstanding everything that your mom and dad say? And why do you misconstrue that? Misrepresent that? To think they hate you. And they're out to destroy your life. That's the most foolish thing to think. But... Shaitan makes us think like that, unfortunately. Right? Those who, who, on whose shoulders we grow and on, on, on who, who help us r- rise up where, to where we are today, those very same people we go against. Because this su'ul dhan is not acceptable to have a suspicion about our parents that they're out there to destroy. I hear this so often. That's why I'm telling the youth here that this is absolutely unacceptable. There may be mistakes. You're a human being and your parents are human beings. They all make mistakes. You make mistakes, and your parents make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Everyone besides the prophets make mistakes. Okay? Angels are, 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 you know, we're not angels. We are humans. But please do not doubt the sincerity of your parents. 
They're sincere. They may have made mistakes in the past or they're making mistakes now. But don't think they're out there to destroy your life. And that's why sometimes they need a fresh perspective. Sometimes they simply need to be explained by someone maybe beside you. To say, you know what, this is actually hurting your son or daughter and this is not a benefit. But by the time we get to that, in the meantime, stop accusing them of having an evil intention of trying to destroy your life. So now you say this, if this is unacceptable for your parents and my parents, imagine about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What type of lifestyle can a person, how could you enjoy life walking around thinking, God hates me. God hates me. Allah is out there destroying my life. You know, I, today I had a, car, a flat tire and then I got, I got into an argument with, with someone and then I got a pink slip. That's it, God hates me. That's a very horrible, pessimistic, terrible way to lead your life. That you're always trying to blame Allah and not understand the silver lining and the hidden wisdom of what's going through your life. Why you're going through what you're going through. So this is a big deception. Do not allow your situation to ter- make you turn against Allah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a beautiful wisdom that you simply don't understand. And I don't understand. Let's say my young, one of my younger kids, I'll take him to the doctor for uh, shots. And the baby is you know, crying uh, as, as the injection is put in. And let's say the four-year-old looks at the younger one-year-old crying and starts screaming and says, Baba is hitting and hurting the, my, my baby brother. Right? Now, subhanAllah, she is thinking that her father is actually oppressing her younger sibling. But do you seriously think her father has more love or the child has more love for the younger sibling? Who has a bigger, better understanding? But she's immature. She doesn't understand the big picture. She's just looking at the crying baby and is now being judgmental about her parents. She doesn't understand or he doesn't understand that my dad or mom or the doctor actually wants to benefit my younger baby brother not or sister and not want to harm them. But because of their inability to see the full picture, they start blaming people erroneously. Are you following me? So when, we don't have the full picture of the world, do we? We are small, teeny, tiny, insignificant, small creations of Allah. Allah has the full picture. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts you and I or anyone through difficulty or yourself, we should not point fingers at Allah. And we should not accuse Him of things that He didn't do. And we should not accuse Him of trying to harm us. Instead, we should always have good thoughts about Allah. That Allah is loving, caring, and nourishing. And whatever He ha- does to me, for me, He definitely has a good plan. I just don't understand that. I need to trust my Lord that He has the best plan for me. Beloved friends, if you start having good thoughts about Allah, your life will be very enjoyable. You'll be set. As a scholar was once asked, how does the world run? How does the world run? He said, the world runs the way I want it. Someone said, oh, astaghfirullah, what is wrong with this scholar? The world runs the way you want it? What is that supposed to mean? And he said, the reason is, I have submitted my will to the will of Allah. And I said, ya Allah, however you run the world, I'm happy with that. And so Allah runs, runs the world according to His will. And I have made sure that my will is submissive to this will. Hence, it's running according to the way I want it. Right? That's the way He presented it. So this type of lifestyle is, is very comfortable, calm, relaxing, enjoyable. That you enjoy the ride. Whatever's coming at you. You say, Alhamdulillah, this was all pre-planned. And nothing in the world I could have done could have changed the course of what's happening. This was meant to happen. And this is not the end all. We have something called Yawmul Qiyamah. If someone is oppressed, someone is, is, is abused, guess what? Everyone will have their day in court and everyone will be able to see justice being met out. But at the moment, let me brace myself, clench my teeth and hold on. 
and try to focus on the positive points, the benefits that I'm getting through this type of difficulty. Beloved students, this type of husn al and good thoughts about Allah and good thoughts about your parents and good thoughts about everyone will actually be very beneficial to your life. That negative thinking and pessimism, it actually adds so many probably, age, it makes us age quicker than we need to. It puts more stress on us than we need to handle, and that we can handle. Because of negative thinking about one another, salbi, you know, we, sh- we should not have these selby thoughts. Instead, we should have more positive attitude that inshallah, everyone is intention- not, no one's trying to intentionally, or majority of people, I should say, not trying to intentionally harm me. And definitely my elders, my parents, and most importantly, my Allah Azza wa Jal, is not trying to intentionally, is not harming me, period. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I told you, started off with a business card. Allah wants us to know that He is merciful. So now He says, why did you come? He says, after me, why did you come quickly and leave your nation? And the answer from Musa was, Ya Allah, I'm coming because I want to be, I'm excited to meet with you. That's why I left them. I'm just too excited. He said, they are close upon my footsteps. They're right here, right behind me. And I hasten to you, my Lord, that you may be pleased. I just wanted you to be happy uh, that you will see my excitement and inshallah, you'll be happy. So we learn from here that it is commendable to do things quickly in order to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, generally speaking. Right? For example, afdalus salah, right? Afdalul a'mal. The most beloved action in the eyes of Allah is as salatu fi awqatiha, to pray salah on time. It's praying salah on time. May Allah give you and I tawfiq to do so. Right? Allah Azza says that we have made salah fard upon the believers, kitabam mawquta at its appointed time. So performing salah, even if we are at work, even if, because those brothers at work who have Dhuhr and Asr sometimes in the winter and Maghrib also at work, we are going to pray anyway. But the key thing is just, if we're going to pray anyway, might as well pray on time. We have, you're going to take the time out to pray. Pray it on time, pray it as soon as time starts. Mothers and sisters praying at home, praying in campus, praying wherever it is. You're praying anyway, but just do not allow it, us to delay it till the end. The Prophet ﷺ, may Allah protect us, said, that is the salah of a munafiq. The salah of a munafiq, he says, he waits till the sun is about to set, and then he prays salah, and he says he does salah so quickly, he goes up and down the way a, a chicken or a hen pecks the ground, like this. The way it pecks the ground, similarly, this is how quickly the person prays his salah and does his sajda, up and down, up and down, kiss the ground, like that. That's the salah of a hypocrite. The salah of a believer is to pray it on time. And he knows that this is the most beloved action to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet والسلام, mentioned in hadith, Badiru bil a'mali saliha, dunya. He said, Hurry up and do your good deeds. For what is one of you waiting? Why are you waiting? It comes in certain narrations that every single morning, <laughs> every single morning when the sun rises, this, the day addresses the human being. The day addresses the human being. And it says, Yabna Adam, O son of Adam, Ana Khalqun Jadeed. I am a new creation. Wa ala amalika shaheed. And I'm a witness against your deeds. Fatazawad minni. So make sure you take full benefit of minni. Take full benefit from me. Fa inni la a'udu ila yom al For indeed, I am never going to come back till the day of judgment. So this Tuesday, August 22 is never going to come back. 
Tomorrow, Wednesday, August 23rd, may Allah allow you and I to see that day. Will the same announcement will be made that Wednesday, August 23rd, uh, 24th, 2022, will never come back again. Whatever you can do so today, if you're able, even it's not about what you can do, it's about doing it on this day. Because every day has its own actions. This past Jummah khutbah, I addressed the same topic. And I, I mentioned many hadith on there. One of the beautiful hadith that I think is, is important for us to reflect is a beautiful hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said, hurry up and do good deeds. What are you waiting for? And then he explained. He said, هَلْ تَنْتَظِرُونَ إِلَّا فَقْرًا مُنْسِيَةً Are you waiting for, such, for poverty that will make you forget Allah? Seven things he mentioned. Seven things. What's the first one? Poverty that will make you forget Allah. كَادَ الْفَقْرُ يَكُونَ كُفْرًا Right? That poverty sometimes leads to, leads to even disbelief. When a person is so poor, he doesn't have bread at home with his six kids crying for food, he may forget that he has to pray. Because he's out there hustling just to bring basic loaf of bread at home. So if your situation is not of that level, Allah Rasulullah is saying, are you waiting for that? Are you waiting to become so poor, Allah forbid, that you have no time to pray <coughs> because you're out there hustling to try to bring things at home. Okay, number two. Okay, if you're not that poor, are you, uh, what about ghinan mutghiyah? Are you waiting to become so rich that it will make you disobedient to Allah? Because tughyan is when a person becomes tagha. Tagha means when, when the water, is when the water goes above the levels uh, where it begins to start now, flooding. It goes above the riverbank level, right? It goes above the average level. That's where it's called tughyan. So when a person crosses the boundaries and he starts acting arrogant in front of Allah, that's tughyan. So wealth creates tughyan. Wealth creates this type of disobedience and arrogance in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not all the time, but it, it definitely creates a lot of times. That's why... Um, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, the majority of the people of Jannah will be al-fuqara, the poor people. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said in a hadith, that the fuqara of muhajirun, the poor muhajirun of my ummah, will be 500 years ahead of the rest on the, day of, on the day of judgment. Because when you don't have much, then you can't sin much. One of my beloved friends from Madrasa days from Africa, he one day he commented and he told me, he's like, I envy you. I'm surprised how you, how you, about certain things. I said, on what aspect? Now these brothers from, from our African countries who would be studying with us, they would not have anything. Like literally, you all don't even know what, what that type of life is. Because you've never seen anything like that. Alhamdulillah, I've never seen it myself. I've never had to go through it. But I've seen tons of people go through that myself. And so, yani, what it means that you, back at home, like you don't even have shoes. Right? You don't even, you have to look at what you, if you're going to be able to eat today or not. Sometimes a day will go by and there's absolutely nothing, not one morsel of food that you, your mom and dad have taken. That's what I'm talking about. That level of poverty, under a dollar, a dollar a day. So he one day, one of my classmates and friends told me, I envy you. I said, in what, in what aspect? He said, subhanAllah, that you have the money. You know, we used to have $1,000 for the whole academic year, you know, for the whole year to spend. But still, I thought you said, right now you might say a thousand dollars for the whole academic year in a foreign country. That doesn't sound much. Usually people take that for one week of Umrah and then, then, then they're trying to call home and say, hey, I need some more. Huh? <laughs> Get to go to the ATM. 
Subhanallah. So, but Alhamdulillah wa barakah. But these people had never seen, uh, you know, they, they never had money in their pocket to buy a burger. So he was, he was, one day he mentioned to me, and I was very moved by this statement. He said, I envy you for the fact that you have money, but you're still sitting here in the madrasa studying. Because I don't know if I had money like you, would I be sitting next to you like this? I may have been, I don't know where, watching movies, out in a club, somewhere else, Allahu A'lam. But the fact that you have this, and you're sitting here, I envy you, because I cannot even sin if even if I wanted to, because I don't have the means for sinning. SubhanAllah. Right? That was powerful for me to hear that. That I don't even have the means of sinning. How do I even get a taxi? I have no money. How do I get into anywhere? I can't buy anything. I have no money. I'm broke completely. Right? SubhanAllah. So he said, I'm happy at my state. Look at the, it's all about the perspective. He's happy. He's like, thank God Allah didn't test me the way He tested you. Because I don't know if I would succeed the way you're succeeding. Right? Is that how you and I think? When you say, well, how come I don't have more than the, like, like the way He has? Allah has given us so much. But we're always looking at the car that's got a louder exhaust. Huh? So the brothers with the nice cars, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, uh, I'm not pointing you out. It's just like, you're just, everyone just looks. Whoever's got, right? Whoever you are, you're always going to have someone who's got a bigger car, a nicer car. But our mizaj, instead of looking to the right, how about you look at the left, to the bichara who's got a, you know, a much more humbler car than you and I do. Or maybe he's on a bike, or maybe he's walking. That is, it's the idea how we're supposed to look at. Look at things. So Nabi sallallahu alaihi said, "Are you waiting for such wealth that is going to make you disrespectful, dishonorable, and disobedient to Allah?" So what do we learn from these two things? Too much money is problematic. Too little money is also test. Yani problematic, yani it's a test. Just having the right money in which you don't forget Allah, but you have enough to alhamdulillah take care of your needs. That's 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 a blessing, right? The blessing is just to have just sufficient. Eating, to, having too little to eat, problem. Having too much to eat is definitely a problem. Just the right amount is what we're looking at. Third thing, maradan mufsida. Are you waiting for such sickness to overtake you that's gonna make your life miserable? A person wants to pray salah. He can pray a hundred rakah. Right now the youngsters can pray a hundred rakah. But now, if you become sick, like all of us, <coughs> play, play basketball, football, what happens? Right? Then you can't make sujood, you can't, you can't do ruku, and you're sitting on the chair. You know how that feels. Not an enjoyable feeling, but you don't understand the value of sajda until you get deprived of it. And then you say, oh my God, look at these people. Some people who, who have certain issues because of which they can't come to the masjid as often as they want to. Ask them, subhanAllah, as they're getting tested, that man, how lucky are those people who are able to go to the masjid? I want to share a story here. When I was in imam in another masjid, you know, before I came here, one, one, of the, uh, uh, one day in Jum'ah, uh, a, 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 a person came up to me <coughs> right after the Jum'ah Salah and he was so excited and I, it, was, uh, it was a brother and he said I'm so happy to be here for Jum'ah I was like wow this guy's bubbling with excitement like everything okay and of course again, it was a very exciting day why? you know why? it was the first day he came out of prison after 12 years he accepted Islam in prison it was the first day out and he came to pray first time Jum'ah and he was like, my God, this is crazy. 300 people, 200 people praying Jummah as a free man. He was, you know, he was filled with joy. Then he said, oh, when's the next prayer? Salah, Asr, when's Maghrib, when's Isha? These are the timings. Not that many people come, but you know, these are the timings for Salah. So Asr came, Maghrib, you know, he came. The next couple days later, I met him. And he was, that excitement was gone. And he was pretty sad. I sat down and I said, boy, what's wrong? Why are you, something, someone upset you, someone hurt you? 
why do you no longer why are you no longer so happy as you were? I mean, still it's the first week out of prison, like seriously. So he told me, subhanAllah, something so powerful I can never forget. He said, Brother, do you understand? I accepted Islam in prison. And I went and started learning Arabic. I started learning how to read Quran. I started learning hadith. And he gave me a whole I was introduced to the whole system of ilm in the prison system. He said, We have teachers who have, you know, who who teach who have ijazah in Bukhari. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He said, they said, there are teachers who actually teach Bukhari, and these are like Shaykh al-Hadith of the prison, right? And we, we, we ha- we'd go visit them, we'd go sit and try to meet them outside in the cell and meet them, whatnot, and uh, sometimes when they get, when they get moved on, then we, they leave another student of theirs, and this whole amazing system. So he said, when I became a Muslim, I learned that salah with jama'ah is necessary. You get 27 times more reward to praying salah with jama'ah. And that it is necessary for a believer to pray salah with jama'ah. A person who uh, intentionally leaves it, intentionally leaves his salah. You know, this is this, this problem, that problem. Many sins mentioned about that. So he said, when I read it, I said, I gotta follow this, even though I'm in prison. So I went into the uh, 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 courtyard during recess time or whenever they have their break out, outdoor time, exercise time. And I gave the adhan and I gave the iqamah. And by the time I started salah, there was a person next to me. Ruku sajda, another one came. By the time his salah finished, he had like a f- three, four people with him. And so now immediately the warden noticed that. And he said, hey, you're not allowed to do this over here, this congregation. So he didn't care about it. He went ahead the next day and did it. He got a warning for that. And a, a you know, harsher warning and probably some beating and whatnot. Eventually, he, what happened by the third day, more people joined him. And subhanAllah, the punishment, you know my brothers, what he got for punishment? Six months of solitary confinement, right? Six months, six months alone in a cell for 23 hours of the day. And even that 24 hours, never meeting anyone. Even, uh, you know, the guards are not gonna even allow you to see their face. SubhanAllah, for six months solitary confinement for Jama'ah. What happened? He said, I got out after six months. You, you and I brothers, may Allah never test us like this. We wouldn't last six hours in that. We, he came out after six months, six months for salah with Jama'ah. He said, I came back out. What do you think he did? He went right back to it. He went right back to it. He said, I'm going to pray Salah with Jama'ah. I'm not leaving this. Allahu Akbar. He went right back to Salah with Jama'ah. Eventually, the warden said, this guy is a troublemaker. He's a gangster. He is a gang leader here. And, uh, and they said, we're going to transfer you out of this jail. And so he was said, I was so sad because my ustad was in that same prison. And I was now being taken away from my teacher who taught me this deen. And being transferred over to somewhere else. I said, Many times you dislike something, but in reality, it's good for you. So he said, I was so sad that I'm missing the suhbah and the companionship of my teacher here from this prison. And he was shifted up to another prison somewhere else. When he got there, subhanAllah, the warden over there was much nicer than this one over here. So after a couple of weeks or so, he reviewed his case again. And he realized this guy has a clean case and he's a clean record and he's never done anything wrong and whatnot. And subhanAllah, a few months after that, he got released. But 12 years he was in prison. So he said, I went six months solitary confinement for salah with jama'ah. And I cannot believe that I was in Jummah and the masjid was packed. And they came for Asr, everyone vanished. There's five people or three. Maghrib there were six. Aisha there's ten. Fajr there's four. He said, I cannot believe everyone is a free man over here. What in the world is wrong with the Muslims that they as free men do not go to pray salah with them in the masjid? They're following a different deen? What was it? Was the deen I was studying in jail the true one or is it the ones you all are practicing? 
The Quran and hadith that I had, is that the true one or is it the one you're all practicing? He said, I'm going through this crisis right now. SubhanAllah. You know, obviously the answer is what you studied was the true religion and you practice it in jail better than we are doing as free men. Right? Because you were imprisoned physically, but your soul was free. And we are physically free, but our souls are imprisoned in our lustful desires. Our souls are Im- absolutely imprisoned by our nafs and shaitan. Although we think of ourselves to be free men, we are absolutely not free. We are slaves to our own desires. And because of that, we are in this pitiful condition that we're in. SubhanAllah. So here you have the, the, the Musa والسلام, saying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, Ya Allah, I'm running towards you to please you. And Allah is emphasizing the fact of doing things quickly, run towards it. Don't wait for situations to turn in the opposite direction. Don't wait for sickness. Don't wait for too much wealth. Don't wait for too less wealth. Don't wait for haraman mufannida. Don't wait for such old senile age that will make you forget everything. Where you have to say, like a little child, Allah said in Surah Yaseen, whoever we give a long life, super long life, eventually he sees himself going backwards in his creation. Just like a young toddler, a baby, will have a successful day in which he is able to walk without falling. A time comes in old age in which a, a successful day for that elderly person is a day in which they're able to walk without falling. And just like a child is given luqma and said, come on, say Allahu Akbar, say Subhanakallahumma, then a time comes where elders have to be reminded of what to say in each posture. And this is why Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sought refuge in this type of old age. Allahumma na'udhu bika min an nurudda ila ardha umr Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from being allowed to go back to the most despicable age. Nabi alayhi wa was pulled back in the age of 63. Subhanallah. Yani how many of the elders sitting here, probably a, v- a huge number of our community members who come for salah are, are, are older than 63. Imagine that 63 is how young Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was when he passed away. But he sought refuge in Allah. From Ya Allah, protect me from, from being tested by going through such a difficult time in my age where now it's called radil, lowly, where now you become a child, childlike. So Allah, Rasulullah is saying, are you waiting for that? You say, I'm still young. I don't want to make tawbah. I'm still young. I don't want to study ilm. I'm still young. I don't need to pray salah with jama'ah. Let us go visit the masajid across the world. And you will see the ones who attend the masajid mostly are elderly people. Isn't that the case? Right? The youngsters are still waiting. How many youngsters are going to make it to old age? Allah knows best. And then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, Are you waiting for sudden death to wake up and to start? It's too late. If death comes to you suddenly, car accidents and this and that, you will not be able to make tawbah. Are you waiting for Dajjal? He is the worst absent individual to be waiting for. That will be the ultimate time of fitna. You don't, don't wait for that time. Or are you waiting for the day of judgment? Then what are you waiting for? The day of judgment indeed is way more bitter and more intimidating than anything you have seen. The gist of this beautiful, powerful hadith related by Imam Tirmidhi is hurry up and do good deeds. Don't delay. Don't say I'll do it later on. Whatever you can do today, let's not delay it till tomorrow. May Allah give you and I the tawfiq and may He protect you and I from procrastinating from doing good deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Musa alayhi salam, qala fa inna He said, then I gotta tell you one thing. I know you left your nation behind you, this hundred people or seventy people behind you. You're thinking that they're coming behind you. Actually, they're not coming behind you. Fa inna he said, we have already tried your people after you have departed, and the Samiri has led them astray. Allah told Musa, 
you left them and I put them into fitna. Beloved brothers and sisters, all ajeeb lessons we learn from here. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, his, the presence of prophets, the presence of awliya, the presence of people of Allah in the community protects them from a lot of sharr. When those people go away, it's like a huge pillar in the midst of the building is being cut and the roof is going to cave in. When our elders pass away, when our ulama pass away, that's what it is. And that's why we ask Allah Azza that He keep, uh, give long life to our mashayikh, to our teachers and our elders. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. When Umar radiallahu anhu, as you were heard, Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, the narrator of the hadith on, 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 on fitan, on trials, Nabi alayhi spoke about how, how uh, there is a door between uh, Umar radiallahu anhu and, and the earlier portion of the ummah and the rest of the fitna. When that door breaks open, then the fitna will come in. So then Umar radiallahu anhu asked, is this door going to be opened or is this door going to be broken? And he responded by saying, Rasulullah said the door is going to be what? Broken. So a broken door you can never close again. An open door, unlocked door you can close it. But once something is broken you can never close it. And so the breaking of the door, it referred to what? The martyrdom of Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Right? When he passed away, he, his presence was such a huge barrier for fitna happening in the ummah. So Musa alayhi left them, and now fitna started in, in the ummah. Although Harun alayhi was, was there. So a number, another thing you learn from here is that our individual ibadah is all good. Our individual ibadah is beautiful. But we have to make sure that in the process of our individual ibadah, our responsibilities towards the community, to our family, are not lost. Our responsibilities towards our family, towards the dini responsibilities of our family. So if a person says, I am going to uh, you know, go and study ilm, and I'm going to go in the path of Allah, or I'm going to go to hajj, and I'm going for umrah, and what happens? His, his children are abandoned for six months, eight months, four months, without any tarbiyah. Or he's working in a foreign country to bring money back home. Or in a, in a different state to money bring back home. But his children are being raised. Like what, what, is all the, what is the Middle East built on? Immigrant labor? Immigrant labor from the, Middle East, from the Southeast Asia? And you know, Indo-Pak, Bangladesh? And of course, Sri Lanka and Nepal and, 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 and Indonesia? Right? Not Philippines? But main, the labor, it's about millions of people. What are they doing? Their fathers, tw- they have 25, 26. When I go, I ask. The guy was cutting my hair. I have char You know, 25-year-old daughter, 30-year-old son. Subhanallah. How often do you go home? Once every three years. For one month. Imagine this whole generation that's been raised without a dad. They've been made into orphans while their fathers are alive. Because their fathers need to provide sustenance. Subhanallah. It's so sad. So whether it's out there to, serve, to earn money or for the dini work, we cannot allow our individual effort to become a means of destroying our children and our family. As well as I said what? Communal responsibilities. So if there is a community collective effort taking place, let's say we're all doing something together, and a person sitting there in a corner reading long nafil salah. This is not the time for that. If there's something the whole masjid is doing, we're all moving something, we're changing the carpets, or you know, doing some big, big effort that requires everyone's help, now is not the time to sit there and do dhikr. Do your dhikr with your tongue or with your heart while you're doing the work. Because at the moment, we need all hands on to do what needs to be done. 
But shaitan sometimes deceives us and says, no, your individual ibadah is very important. Just look down, don't look at anyone who's doing anything. Alright? And then pray your long salah and put blinders around you. Don't look at who needs me because I'm worried about my salah, my ibadah. This is what ulama say over here. That Musa salam was enjoying his communication with Allah like no other. But guess what? The, the nation fell into fitna. Okay, you know what? You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to cut this short. You're going to have to cut this short and run back home to see what's going on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling him that I have put your ummah into a fitna right now. And Samiri has led them astray. So Musa salam returned to his people. Ghadbana, asifa, wrathful. Okay? Ghadban, fa'alan. For the students of Arabic language, this is known as usually Ghadban, fa'alan is a scale of which one? Right? Which means a hyperbolic form. He's very angry. So the ulama say, some of these scholars of tafsir say that this is not. Uh, in this situation, Ghadban is in the meaning of simply ismul fa'il and not sifat mushabba. It's not in the meaning of continuously always angry because that is not befitting the status of a prophet to always be angry. And here, Ghadban is simply in the meaning of Ismail Fa'il, meaning he was angry at that time. That temporarily at that time, Musa was angry. Not that he's always angry. Okay? Asifan. And he was very sorrowful, wrathful and sorrowful about what's happening. We learn from here is that. To get angry at certain occasions is prophetic. It is necessary. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ said. That, أَحَبُّ الْأَعْمَالِ إِلَى اللَّهِ The most beloved actions in the sight of Allah are الْحُبُّ فِي اللَّهِ To love one another for the sake of Allah. وَالْبُغْضِ To dislike someone for the sake of Allah. Or dislike something for the sake of Allah. مَنْ أَحَبَّ لِلَّهِ Whoever loves for Allah. وَأَبْغَضَ لِلَّهِ And dislikes for Allah. فَقَدْ إِسْتَكْمَلَ الْإِيمَانِ His iman is complete. Because why love and hate are very deep emotions. Most of us have no control over our salah. Right? We're not focused, you know, a lot of us, let me say, are not able to keep our salah two, two rakats or four rakats without even for a moment leaving Allah's presence. Our mind just shifts, shifts away. Now that's what salah. What about a deep emotion like love and hatred? To put ikhlas in there? To put sincerity in there? To say I love only for Allah and I dislike only for Allah. It's not easy. If you're able to do that, then your faith is definitely what? Complete. Istakman al-Iman. So Musa is getting angry here. Why is he getting angry? That I asked you to come behind with me to go speak to Allah. And I said, I'm coming right back. I can't believe you. I left you for a little bit and you ended up becoming astray and being misled. I was with you the entire time. How did you quickly get misled? So he addressed three people. He addresses his nation. He addresses Harun, his brother. And he addresses Samiri. So he first he addresses the nation. Ya qawm, O my people. Alam ya'idkum rabbukum wa'adan hasana. Did my Lord not promise you an excellent promise? Why are you doing this? Like you know you tell your child, come back as soon as I come. Just do your, do your work. I come back, I'll give you a chocolate bar. Just to finish your work. And you come back and you see subhanAllah, the whole school or the classroom or the house is a mess. Upside down, inside out, everything. It's like, wait, what was this? What part of my, that promise did you not understand? Why were you doing this? Did you not believe in me? Or were you seriously waiting for my wrath to come upon you? Is that what you want? So Allah Azza is saying that Musa salam told them, did you not like the promises? Look at Allah has an amazing track record with you. He's given you man and salwa. He saved you from Fir'aun, 
right? He's given you rivers, he's a, a, you know, of a springs, he, whatever you want, Allah has been there for you. Why are you turning your back against Allah? You've got an excellent track record with Allah Azza wa Whatever He promised you, He's given you. He's given you safety, He's given you food, free. Remember last week we talked about dessert too, right? Every single day dessert. Man was salwa. So, was the duration of my absence too long for you? You can handle it? 30 days away from you? Or did you actually desire for the great wrath of your Lord to befall you? Such that you failed your promise to me to worship only Allah alone and, and not to do what you did? Are you, were you just saying, Ya Allah, bring it on. We want to see your wrath. We've seen too much kindness from you. Now we want to taste your wrath. Is that what it was? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Musa salam asked his nation this question. So what happens here is that Adam al-Sabr, that not being patient opens up the door for a lot of evil. Adam al-Sabr, ibabun lishar. Not being patient opens up a door of a lot of evil. Patience is of three types, remember. Patiently saying no to sin. Patiently saying yes to good deeds. Impatiently accepting the decree of Allah even if it's against your wish and desire. As-sabr anil ma'siyah. Was-sabr ala ta'a. Was-sabr ala al-masa'ib. Three things. To be patient in face of hardship. To be patient yani, with steadfastness to do good deeds. And to be patient saying no to sin. When a person does not have patience, it opens up the door of a lot of evil. And that's what it was. The Musa salam's nation was, did not have patience. So they responded, <coughs> They said, مَا أَخْلَفْنَا مَوْعِدَكَ بِمَلْكِنَا we did not fail your promise. We did not break your promise out of our own accord. Okay. We didn't intentionally try to disobey you, O Musa. Okay, then what happened? Why did you do this? We were loaded with burdens from the golden ornaments of the Egyptian people. So we hurled them into a furnace of fire. And thus did the Samiri cast into it what he had. So we followed him. <coughs> So now Musa salam's nation tells Musa salam that look at when you're gone, this will happen. We had a lot of gold and jewelry that belonged to the Coptics and Pharaoh's people when we crossed over the river and the sea. And we, it was haram for us to keep it with us. So we needed to get rid of it. So what happened is Harun salam said, all right, let's, let's get rid of it. Let's put it all together and get rid of it. Everyone come, bring your jewelry, put it in. We will melt it and allow it to get waste, you know, give it away to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like previously, in the previous nations, when you would sacrifice of an animal, you would not be allowed to eat from it. You would sacrifice an animal, put it on a mountain or a high spot, and a fire from heaven would come, as mentioned in the Quran, and would would take it up, would just would burn it or eat it. Ta'kuluha means eat it literally. Yani would uh, consume it. And that means your qurbani has been accepted. Your udhaya was accepted. You're not supposed to eat from it. This is the blessing and the ease for this ummah that we're allowed to eat from our own sacrificed animal. So now get rid of this jewelry, burn it, melt it. That's what we were told. So that's what we were doing. Faqadafna, Musa alayhi salam. Uh, Harun, Musa salam's brother Harun said, Come on, everyone line up, throw it in. Samiri came in and he said, Okay, I'll also throw it in. And so he threw it in. What happened after he threw it in? 
Samri then brought forth from them for them the image of a golden calf. Ijlan. Jasadan means a spiritless body. See this 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 parenthesis is very important here. What's written here? Spiritless body. Because just what jasad means. Right? A jasad is just like a spiritless body. It's got no soul in it. A mere spiritless body. Ajilan means calf. But it was not just a calf. It was a calf that made out of what? The gold that was melted from the jewelry. Some ulama have explained that he was an expert goldsmith. Right? He knew how to do it. So he took that gold, melted gold and he made it into a calf. And he, put a, he made a, a, like a cow made a, a, would have or an animal some holes in it. From, some from the front, some from the back, some different directions. Like musical instruments, what happens? You have a piece of metal there and you've got openings there. And it, it creates the most amazing sounds. You can believe it's happening from wind going through a piece of metal. So the wind would go through this cow, cow you know, a mere spiritless cow that was made out of the go- melted, melted gold, and it would make a noise. And he did the optics to make it look like it was alive. And they fell for it. And then he said, Hada ilahukum, this is your God, wa ilahu Musa, and the God of Moses. Fanasiya, but he has forgotten. He actually went to go look God over there. But, uh, but Allah Azza wa is over here. <laughs> Astaghfirullah, right? So he, this is what, the situation that happened. Afala yarona, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them, could they not have, yarona, could they not have then seen that it could not return a single word to them? Can you not see? Did this calf speak to you? You, you, you asked them, did you ever ask them, oh calf, give me, give me food, give me this, give me that, oh God, did they ever respond? No, we did not respond. It had no sifat of kalam. It was not ability, it didn't have the ability to speak. It could not give you of any benefit or it could, it could not give any harm. So in order for a God to be worshipped, you need to hear Him. Not physically, but you need to be able to see that He, you ask for something, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives it to you. Many times, my beloved brothers, we, we, we're not making proper dua and we say, Allah, I, Allah is not listening to me. We don't, we don't know how to ask. That's why there's a method of asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if a person does not know, like, uh, uh, you know, how to ask Allah, I remember one, our, one of our ustads, he would say, we didn't, he said, long ago when I was in madrasa, this is in the 40s, 50s, I don't know, sometime there, he said, someone said, there's a phone call came from you. He said, well, I didn't even know how to hold the phone. We ran to the office of, of the town. And he said, literally, we're holding onto the phone like this. Hello, hello, we had no idea how to speak, how to use the phone. Right? Uh, so now, if you don't know how to use the phone, you're not going to be able to hear the, op- the person who you're speaking to. If we do not know how to pray properly to Allah, you're not going to hear Allah. We have to be sincere in our speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not possible that a person with sincerity prays to Allah in his heart and Allah will not respond to him. It will not happen. He says in the Quran, Ud'uni, supplicate to me, astajib lakum, I will accept your dua. If you and I will ask Allah, you will definitely hear him. You may not get every single thing or even one thing what you're asking for right now, but you will feel that you are in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if a person says, well, I'm not in that level right now, I'm not in that state, well then guess what? Let's start asking that. Ya Allah, guide me. mustaqim. Guide me to the straight path. Ya Allah, please allow me to understand that you are there, you are the absolute truth, 
and you are seeing me, looking at me, and I'm in your presence. At least we can all make this dua, can we not? So if a person is not even at that level, but you can at least make dua to Allah, you can pray to Allah Azza wa that He allows you to enjoy and, and see that type of um, relationship. So from here, inshallah, ta'ala, we'll continue on next week. Um, uh, the relationship, what does, oh, now he, he, uh, he, he scolded, he scolded uh, um, his nation. Now we're going to talk about him scolding Harun alayhi salam, and then after that scolding Samiri. And, uh, and, uh, and, and the many beautiful lessons that we learned from the story of Samiri. Samiri was an interesting person. In some narrations, he was known to be a cousin of Musa alayhi salam, or a relative, but even more than that, how his some narrations talk about how he was raised very very differently from Musa alayhi salam but how his ending came about is shocking so inshallah definitely uh, we'll uh, we'll love to cover that topic ta'ala next week so the, uh, the, please scan this uh, quickly this uh, QR code if you're listening online or present over here to join um, uh, the tafsir updates group inshallah as you'll get uh, timely reminders on it and, uh, and then also <clears throat> any small excerpts of our tafsir also inshallah can be shared over there. And this is a way for us to be connected, to give you a kind reminder inshallah. So you can remind others and you can make sure you are here in attendance as well. And then if you have any questions, before we do some dhikr inshallah, we'll take some questions. Just go to the, uh, take the QR code here or go to slido.com and enter 20228434. And we will inshallah spend the next five, seven minutes answering some of the questions that we are getting. A person says, how can you hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Alright, good question. Like I, I, I try to explain that, maybe I'll, do, I'll, re, I'll repeat that again. When a person hears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is when a person continues to see that his path towards Allah are moving or opening up. His relationship with Allah is increasing. You're getting, you're getting, uh, you're getting the positive response from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you feel more desirous to. Uh, like, let's say you're asking Allah for guidance. Allah is opening up the ways for you to get closer to Him. And every single time you sin and you make a mistake, you feel more guilty than you used to before. Right? The fact that you're feeling guilty over your sins, you're feeling happy that you're doing good, these things are signs that you're getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not giving up on your dua is Allah is listening to you. If you keep on asking, as the beautiful saying goes, man dua Whoever has been gifted with the gift of asking, then he will definitely be gifted with the gift of his dua being accepted. Because the Quran says, if you ask, Allah will give you. So if you're asking, 100% you are being heard by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But many times we're not able to hear it. I've given this example before of the shortwave radio that we used to have before. And, you know, and it would be very difficult to uh, get to listen to the, you know, to the exact radio channel. You have to have that small uh, you know, knob to do the fine tuning to be able to catch the signal. When we were in our madrasa, we used to listen to VOA and BBC and whatnot. <laughs> and that was our connection to the world. We listened to that. SubhanAllah. So similarly, Allah is speaking to us, but you have to be willing to what? To, to fine-tune and listen. To fine-tune and listen. And it's there. So getting off of social media, cutting out of music from our life will help you listen. If you're, listen, if you're a person who's constantly watching haram, looking at haram, eating haram, you will not, it, all of that will blind you and make you deaf and uh, blind from listening to Allah Azza wa Jal. Cut that out of your life and you'll see how quickly you'll be able to see Allah Azza wa Jal in your life.
If a person is mentioning Hafidh on his bio data, is that wrong? No, it's not. If you, unless you're not a Hafidh, then don't mention it. If you're a Hafidh, then mention it. Now, is your wife's family going to uh, ch- uh, say, Beta, before you get married, Chalo Tara, we're going to do a Hiv's exam? I don't know. Maybe they will. So maybe come here and do your door, Pakka, before huh? <laughs> you do that. What does it mean for, to love for Allah and hate for Allah? Is, uh, <clears throat> is, what that means is that you, you are looking at someone and you're saying, this person doesn't benefit me or harm me. He's actually pretty obnoxious. He actually doesn't care about me. But I love him for the sake of Allah. That's why I'm going to invite him to the masjid. I love him for the sake of Allah. That's why I'm going to go out of my way, pick him up and bring him to the masjid. Even though he doesn't care to be around me. But I'm not caring for, for him because he cares for me. I care for him for the sake of Allah. Similarly, a person who, who dislikes someone for the sake of Allah, meaning your own relative, close friend, but now he is speaking ill about the deen. And say, as much as we've been childhood friends for the past 20 years, but if you choose to leave Islam, I cannot, you cannot expect me to just sit in the same, have the same enjoyable you know, conversations with you. Because I, I, I love Allah more than anything else. So I'm hurt by the fact that you are speaking about Allah like this, and I'm going to have to part ways until you change your ways. Or at least you engage with me and to say, you know what, this is, I'm confused about this. But if this is something you don't, you, you say, no, this is what I've decided. Then I'm sorry, I'm going to have to hate this act of yours for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As much as I love you and enjoy your free meals and all the money you throw at me, mashallah, is great. But guess what, I'm sorry. You know what, I love Allah more than all that. So now you are disliking this person for the sake of Allah. How do you wake up for Fajr? Such a good question, right? You wake up for Fajr by sleeping early. Number one. That's the first thing. So sleeping early. And, and so that's one big issue is that keeping our, you know, maybe phone away in another room or locking it or, you know, all these apps. And the phone itself has a sort of all these lock apps and, and all these other things to, um, what do they call this? Social, you know, some, some health monitors on there of how, how, how many hours you're spending on it and etc. So make sure we lock it up. You know, 10 p.m., 11 p.m., something like that. Sleeping early is one big thing. Number two, um, read your tasbih fatima. Subhanallah 33 times. Alhamdulillah 33 times. Allahu Akbar 34 times. Read with the niyyah of barakah in your sleep. 33 times, subhanallah. 33 times, alhamdulillah. 34 times, Allahu Akbar. With the niyyah of barakah. And then, um, the last ayats of Surah Al-Kahf. The ulama have from experience have shared with me. Some of my teachers have shared this. Last ayats of Surah Al-Kahf are very beneficial for reciting before you go to bed with the niyyah of of waking up in the morning, right? This will help a person. Um, the last ayat, so we should memorize it from uh, the last ruku, ideally. This is beneficial for us to recite every day for protection from Dajjal and also for help waking up for Fajr. That's the last ayat of which surah? Surah Al Kahf. And then Surah Al Araf, 187. Ayah 187 of Surah Al Araf. Ayah 187 of Surah Al Araf. Which surah is that? Eight, right? Surah number 7 So They're asking about the day of judgment When is it going to come? قُلْ إِنَّمَا عِلْمُ عَنْدَ رَبِّي Say the knowledge of that is with my Lord None will allow that to appear at its time besides Allah No one knows it besides Allah So this ayah has been shared by experience Not by hadith, by experience of scholars To be beneficial to assist you in waking up at any given time that you need to wake up Right, so these are various things, and then changing up your position, maybe leaving the bed and sleeping on the floor one day, right? Or um, kind of changing the place where you're sleeping to make it easy for. Mashallah, it's so I'm honored to have such students who have a habit of sleeping on a on on, on the hard floor, not even a sleeping bag, on, on just on a sheet on a hard floor. 
simply to be able to wake up. And I, I've heard of one student, mashallah, who drinks multiple glasses of water before he goes to sleep, simply so that that will force him to wake up early for salah. And so there's always ways of doing things. Um, when you want to do something, alhamdulillah, Allah Azza wa will make it easy for you. If a person says, I've tried to make my parents happy but constantly disappoint them, what should I do? So you, maybe you'd have a very candid conversation with one of your parents to say, what exactly? You know, sometimes we don't have candid conversation. That's a problem. Very big problem. There's not enough candid, frank conversations taking place within the family. And half of our problems will get solved if you just come to the table and discuss things openly. Okay, let's leave all the other relationships. Right now, let's speak person to person. Let's leave our relationships as father, son, mother, daughter, teacher, student. Let's leave all that out. Let's speak as two human beings. What's your issue? What's my issue? What's the problem? Let's figure it out. Iron it out. Why is it every single thing irritates you? Right? And what causes that? It might be some under, underlying issue. So those type of very candid conversations need to happen. And it's with one parent or the other and bring it out and say, okay, this is how I feel. You know how many parents don't understand what they do to their kids? They just don't understand because their parents, the children never tell their parents that this is how I'm feeling. And the parents don't realize it and they realize it when it's too late. Similarly, the children don't realize what their parents feel also many times. And so, for example, recently I talked about it. I, t I told one son, I said, hey man, your dad is very hurt with you. And uh, he told me and this and that. And he's like, Oh, I have no idea. I mean, I'm with him all day. He never told me anything. Why, like, what is this about? I say, yeah, because they're too shy to speak with you. I'm sorry, but now you, I've given you the full picture. These are his text messages. Now I'm, I took the responsibility. Now you with hikmah deal with this problem. But I never meant to hurt him. But that's not the point. You didn't mean to hear him, but it's happened. So let's now sort it out. So this is all this unnecessarily useless takalluf, right? We, this is not adab. These are barriers that are causing bigger problems. So we should try to break those barriers and have candid conversations at home with everyone to be able to sort things out. Uh, there are certain sins that we fall back again and again and it's extremely hard to get out of it. Listen, when a person makes tawbah, sincere tawbah and you feel guilty about it, you're clean. Done. Don't, don't keep on thinking about the fact that, oh, I'm not sincere. If you cried over your sin, you are sincere. Does it mean you will never sin again? No, it doesn't. You can sin again and again. It happens. But every single time you make a mistake, don't say you're cursed. These are, these are not good things. Remember I just said at the beginning of the talk, what did I say? Have good thoughts about Allah. Don't always think, Allah is punishing me, Allah is punishing me. That's not good. Say, Allah subhanahu Allah loves me. Allah loves me. This is a test. Inshallah, I'm going to come out stronger. When it comes to a sin specifically, then you know, if, if you, there's, there's, there's a method of overcoming sin. That's why, like I just gave you a bunch of explanations of how to take care of the Fajr Salah issue. Similarly, each sin we have to deal with it separately. What that sin is, we have to deal with it. So you use practical methods, and then you use Adhkar as well. The 7-7 dhikr that I have shared with you in, uh, in previous tafsir sessions is very beneficial. 7 salawat, 7 fatiha, 7 ayatul kursi, 7 quraish, 7 quli al-kafirun, 7 quli al-lawhat, 7 quli al-falaq, 7 quli al-nas, and 7 salawat. This method is something that is tried and tested by hundreds of people. You recite that seven times each one, blow over yourself, blow on water, and then you drink the water, and uh, you keep on repeating this, you know, th try to do two to three sets a day. Seven, seven, seven. And each time you recite the seven, you blow over your body and blow over water and drink it. And keep on adding to that water. And you make niyyah of what specific issue you're dealing with. Say you have an issue of not waking up for fajr. Say you have an issue of watching haram. Say you have an issue of addiction of listening to haram. Say you have some other type of issue. You make niyyah of those issues, and with that niyyah, you, you recite this adhkar. Inshallah, by next week, whoever messaged this, 
I guarantee you by next week, inshallah, you'll be clean. By next Tuesday. And I expect you to send a message, say, Alhamdulillah, I'm done. But you got to do this with yaqeen. In one week, focus on your issue and follow the dhikr that I told you, along with using practical steps. And you will see, inshallah, tabarak wa ta'ala, uh, Allah will give you freedom from this, inshallah. If you are getting irrational doubts about Islam, same issue, that's an attack of shaitan, like you just said in your question, utilize the same dhikr. Within three, four days, you'll be good. Maybe even one day, you'll be good. This is a very, again, this is the ty- spiritual Tylenol for all your aches and pains, right? That will inshallah help us. Um, do kids have a right to be upset at their parents if they get hit by them? Right? So, subhanAllah, yani, angry and uh, these, sometimes these emotions we can't control. Naturally. But again, these, you know, an adult, a, a small, and hitting, for example, too. It's not something that it should be done in, a, in, in, in the purpose of hitting is to startle a child, to wake him up. Hello, wake up. But hitting that is mubarrah, that is painful to the extent that it damages a person, is not allowed, should not be done. It's, it's, not, it's not beneficial in the dunya, not beneficial in the akhirah for a teacher or a parent to do that. Will, will they get sin for that? That's another whole issue. But this is a message to parents who do that to their kids. They should not do that. And for children who have suffered that, you again, you need to have a candid conversation. To say, you know what, this is absolutely makes no sense what you're doing. You know, to your, you know, and, but you say it in a very respectful manner. Or you have someone else speak to them. Because many times, people don't ma- realize the mistakes that they are making. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Um, uh, uh, do that Okay, someone says I'm not happy with life What should I do? And all these other Some serious questions That people have You know Alhamdulillah I live near the masjid I'm here most of the time Reach out to me Reach out to the masjid And get You know Come speak to me If you have any question Email me Or you know Message me Inshallah If you have a very specific question Of that sort Which I can address over here um, Then definitely Don't let it You know Don't throw it under the rug Address it Um we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to, um, <laughs> to give us tawfiq. There's a lot of other good questions. We'll continue inshallah um, uh, onwards. Uh, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to grant you and I istiqamah to come regularly to, for salah, salah with jama'ah, salah and, and for, the t- for the tafsir. And make niyyah, dear students and dear brothers and sisters who are here, that every single week, regardless of what happens inshallah, that you're here uh, you know, consistently and make niyyah to bring others with you and you will inshallah be able to uh, be a source of great benefit. Few minutes of dhikr, inshallah. La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. La ilaha illallah, 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 la ilaha illallah. لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم 
صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه an announcement for those who are listening online alhamdulillah our tafim program began this past weekend saturday and sunday and so in Sunday school as well, mashallah, we have a his new class, Islamic fiqh of, uh, a fiqh of finance, that's being taught by Mulan Ibrahim, mashallah, who did his master's degree in finance along with his seven year alim program over here. So, uh, and many other classes as well, fiqh of, um, of fasting, zakat, and hajj, uh, seerah of Rasul in his Medina, while he's in Medina, family of the Prophet, وسلم, the signs of the hour, amongst many amazing classes that are being taught Saturday morning and Sunday morning from 10 to Dhuhr on site and online so try your stop by and audit a class or two inshallah on this weekend and share this message with others for those who are from out of state or don't live in the area you can also join online for these classes the details are on our on our website may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our coming here and sitting here and listening here may allah make it easy for myself and all of us to to put into practice whatever we shared or heard may allah not make whatever we said or heard a proof against us or rather a proof for us and may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us under his protection and grant us all a strong connection with him a strong connection with the quran may he revive our dead hearts through the barakah of dhikr and quran subhanallah Allahumma hamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh